So hello everyone, this is Rick, the founder at Real People USA, and it's a Saturday night, so it's like late night with Rick at Real People USA. And Real People USA, we do three things. We talk about small business ownership and entrepreneurism, although we haven't talked about that in a while. But I do see some episodes coming down soon. The second thing that we do is we help political campaigns with podcasting uh, opportunities, and we also help them with systems to help them win and not to lose. And the third thing, listeners, we talk about topics that are current, uh, either in the mainstream or we talk about Republican-type issues, but we are excited to have this platform because we love to talk about stuff that's happening. So today's podcast episode, or I should say this evening's podcast episode, is about the science. So tonight's podcast episode is about the science, but not the science spelled S-C-I-N-E-C-E, the other kind of science, not spelled P-S-I-E-N-C-E. For psychological science, or you could call it the psychance, as in psychology, or psych, and that's what's going on with this, this COVID hoax, and I called it on day one. I recall when cities in California were being shut down and people were telling people to stay inside and only come out if it was necessary. Hell, I went walking for two weeks. Uh, every day straight. I had a I had a knee problem at that time, so I couldn't run. So I said to myself, I'm going walking every single damn day. So, and I'm not talking about like a short walk around the block. I was walking six miles, eight miles, ten miles. And I said, if this damn corona thing is real, then it's going to get me. But in the back of my mind, I sort of knew it wasn't real. And the reason why I knew it wasn't real listeners is because, you know, recent researching this thing for about maybe a week, I found out that Fauci was talking about the, you know, a COVID virus hitting the Trump administration in 2017. Then going back even further, I saw that Bill Gates had been working on vaccines and this was one of them. Bill Gates was, was working on vaccines as far back as like the early 2000s, but especially around 2008, 2009, 2010, because Bill Gates took these vaccines to two countries. One was Kenya and the other was India. And I kind of look back at what happened to Bill Gates because at one time, I believe he was a Republican when he was running Microsoft. And the reason why I know that is because Bill Gates was talking about capitalism in the mid to in the mid 90s to the late 90s he was talking about capitalism and i recall when i was ending my career in corporate america we had these problems with not being able to find software for our you know third party applications because bill gates had a dominance on you know hardware software and he wasn't releasing his software to third-party uh, manufacturers that maybe wrote 
maybe they had a machine that needed to interface with Microsoft and my, and Bill Gates wasn't having it. He basically said to the most part for the most part if Microsoft doesn't own it or if Microsoft can't buy it then it's not going to interface with his with this Windows uh, platform. So Janet Reno, a Democrat, took him to court on some monopoly stuff and antitrust stuff. In other words, he was trying to dominate the industry and he wasn't being flexible to let other people, you know, create, uh, you know, applications and hardware so that they can make money. So Bill Gates lost to Janet Reno, a Democrat. And I'll never forget the day and please look it up. When Bill Gates lost, someone hit him in the face with one of those pies. One of those like, uh, you know, uh, cool whip pies. I don't think it was heavy or anything. I don't think it hurt him. But he hit him. But the pie hit him in the face right outside the courtroom. And I think that was the day that Bill Gates said, I'm going to get everybody for, for tearing up my company, for, for, for messing up my dream to not allowing me to be the dominant force with computing. That's what I think happened to Bill Gates. And it's unfortunate. So I think Bill Gates said, let me start this Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And uh, let's see what we can do with that. So you can fill in the gaps, but Bill Gates got into the vaccine industry. And so going back, like I said, to 2015, 2017, when Fauci was already talking about some type of coronavirus and a pandemic hitting the Trump administration in the last year. So I said to myself, this is this is crazy. Then there was like this group. I think they were called uh, something 21. Can't remember the exact title, but they had this mock meeting to talk about what would happen if a virus hit the world. And that was back in October, November of 2019. And it was like a, a month after I got back from my 10-day uh, 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 trip to Europe. I went to Barcelona. I went to Marseille, France. And I went to several cities in Italy, like uh, Pompeii, Rome, Savita Vecchia, and, uh, you know, Naples. So it had been six weeks after I got back when they had they were starting to have these meetings so the next thing I realized when people started saying the virus and these are Democrats you know they lie they said the virus was out as early as November uh, 2019 and Trump should have done something about it so I'm saying okay November 2019 and now we're like in March of 2020 that's four freaking months, I believe. Yeah, four months. Where are the bodies? How come no one else has been sick? You know, then all of a sudden, oh, there's people sick in Seattle. Whoops, there's people sick in uh, New York City. And then this is the one that really finalized my thought that this was a, a psych operation or uh, the science or the psychance was I have a friend that lives in Queens, New York, not too far from Elmhurst Hospital, which was supposedly the East Coast ground zero 
for the coronavirus illnesses. Well, my Puerto Rican friend drove around uh, Elmer's hospital and one day there was this tremendous line of people and she was sitting in her car watching it and she said, these people aren't sick. These people actually look like actors and it was uh, uh, someone, I can't mention his name on on the uh, podcast, but the uh, friend said, hey, the TV crews were here before the people got in line. The news crews were already set up. And then three hours later, people start started getting in line talking about they were not feeling well. And this line probably had maybe a couple hundred people in it. So event after event with these fake staged hospital events started happening. Uh, and my friend the very next day, my Puerto Rican friend, the very next day said the same hospital had hardly no one there. No long lines, no camera crews, none of this stuff was going on. And then other people like in Denver, Colorado and out here in, in uh, Los Angeles and Sacramento, people were going into hospitals. The hospitals were vacant. There were no cars in the parking lot. And even several nurses started filming their their ICU departments and the ICU departments were empty. And I'll never forget this, this, this film that was uh, filmed out of Brazil. And what it was, it was a, uh, a hospital in Brazil, near Rio, and they had this, uh, this this uh, sort of like boundary where no one could go back in this hospital setting because the people were so sick. No one could go there because they might catch the coronavirus. Well, this legislator in Brazil, Brazilian legislator, said he wasn't having it because he was all of a sudden having suspicions of his own. So he showed up at this hospital and they said, oh no, you can't come in. And he was like, you know what? I'm a Brazilian legislator. I can go anywhere I please. So he went through the, the boundary and found out there were no patients. There were a bunch of machines sitting there, but there were no patients. Then the next one I, the next um, fake thing that was exposed was this badass lady. I believe she was either in Ireland. Yeah, she was in Ireland. She was in Dublin. And she was like the person that was exposing the Irish government. She would go from hospital to hospital and she would have, uh, and she was like a, an activist and she would go to hospital to hospital and there were no COVID patients in the hospital. And there were a security guard and maybe two or three people, but the hospital was just as empty as it would have been without the coronavirus hoax. So it was event after event after event. So back to March, you know, all of these people were saying, oh, this thing is going to last just two weeks. We're going to stop the spread in two to three weeks. Two to three weeks came by and they said, oh, we need more time. This people, the positive test cases, they're growing. They're growing. It's it's like, you know, five million in Topeka, Kansas. You know, things like that, such exaggeration as I just exaggerated. 
then you know what we found out later were that these cases and I'm fast forwarding now to like maybe uh, you know October November when a lot of these cities were destroyed economically and then you had these foolish people burning down cities and getting paid for it too uh, you had these people burning down mostly black cities where black people lived and you had people being harassed at restaurants and all this stuff was coordinated they had buses of people rolling in I'll never forget the bus that rolled in the Philly and they had these bricks staged about maybe a couple of blocks from where the uh, burning and, and looting were, were going to take place and people were filming the bricks how did these bricks magically show up there were no there was no construction going on around around these bricks there were no city of Philadelphia work projects going on so people started filming these kind of things and then a smart governor by the name of Ron DeSantis of Florida my home state by the way Born and raised in Tampa, lived in Miami, uh, Dania Beach, Opelika as a kid, temporarily. And uh, Ron DeSantis started investigating this thing called the PCR test. Now at the same time, I was talking to Dr. Huber, a, uh, natural, a naturopathic doctor in, in, the, in the Phoenix area. And she started telling me that these PCR tests were not even meant to be used for COVID. And there was this doctor named Carrie Mullis who surprisingly died like in uh, October of 2019, right before this crap started. Isn't that interesting that the people who could tell you what's the truth about things suddenly die right before it hits. So Dr. Uh, Carrie Mullis said in a written report that the PCR tests were never designed for something like COVID. They were designed for a manual, not a manufacturing, but a, like a, um, something to test something else. You can look it up or you, you can listen to one of my podcast episodes where Dr. Huber is talking about the PCR tests. Well, what Dr. Huber said about the uh, PCR tests was that they were running these tests at 35 45 cycles and for people who may not be aware of what that means just think of when you hear PCR and a high number the best way to des to describe it is just think of something very microscopic think about looking at something with your eyeglasses and then think about magnifying what you're looking at like 35 45 times I mean so you know we're talking about when you're talking about specimens and samples, those samples are already small to begin with. So just imagine multiplying or, or magnifying something 35, 45 times. So what I'm trying to tell you is that when they were taking using these samples to test for COVID, you know, the way doctors explained it to me is that you can test, you can find COVID on, on an envelope. When you tested 35, 40, 45 times. And Dr. Huber was saying that um, if you want to get an accurate test to see if someone 
has the viral load, that's a phrase being used right now, then if that person is truly sick, you don't have to test it at 35 or 40 or 45. And again, Dr. Carrie Mullis said that the, the PCR test wasn't even intended for that. So they were using a testing mechanism that was bogus and they pumped up the magnification to uh, create these things called false positives. And see, and they're doing the same damn thing now with this, uh, this new rise in cases. Now, now, the good news is that a lot of people know about it. The bad news is they continue to do it. And one day people in this country are going to stand up like they're standing up in Paris or like, they, like they're standing up in Sydney. Uh, do you know in Australia, only 11% of the people have taken the vaccine? As far as I'm concerned, that's 11% too many. But they say here in the States, it's like 45, 50%. I don't really, I don't really believe those numbers. Now, I know some people that have taken the vaccine reluctantly. I was talking to two veteran friends of mine, and they both said they took it, but now they regret it. I was talking to a good friend of mine. He's an Army veteran. His name is Brent. He took it, and for three days, he was sick as a dog. And for three hours, he was throwing up. And I said, brother, you're, you are on the edge of death. And, you know, there have been people who have died from the COVID vaccine. Or it's not even the vaccine, folks. You know, look it up. You, you know, whatever you want to call it. Look up the definition of vaccine and get back to me. So there have been people who have died. Now, I personally know two people. Uh, both of them. Uh, are good friends of mine. One is a good friend and her mother died. We got the call while I was at my friend's house. So one o'clock in the afternoon, we get the call. I was outside uh, working on my friend's deck. She got the call. Another friend of mine told me that someone we knew in common, husband died. Blood clots in the brain. And of course, some news reports are actually telling the truth and you are hearing about people who have uh, died from the shot. One was a Miami uh, cancer doctor, an oncologist. I think he died like in March or April. And to their credit, the TV, the TV, the local news uh, show put it on the air. And that's one of the few that I saw in the air. Then I, I, I saw this 19 year old girl, this black um, uh, college, I think she was a sophomore or a freshman. She went to some school in Ohio or Illinois or Michigan, one of those three Midwest states. She took the, the first shot, felt kind of strange, thought it was like a sinus infection or something. Took the second shot, she was gone. Okay, so th then there's this system called VAERS. V-A-E-R-S, I think it's a health and human services website or it's a CDC website. I think it's a health and human services website. And what it does, it shows the number of deaths based on, you know, things happening in the office where people have received some type of medication. You can go to this site, you can look it up. 
you know, they have a lot of um, drugs that have or things that have, that have interacted with people negatively. So if you look at the the site, the Bears website, you'll see like different drugs. They may have like, you know, one percent. I mean, just flatlining for the most part with tiny little blimps of of of, of situations that happen. When you get to the COVID-19 vaccine, it spikes up so high. I think the bear system is sitting at 10,000. That's That was like a week ago. It could be higher now. But now we're hearing that there are other systems that also track uh, bad reactions to medications. And there's this one uh, law firm that has filed a lawsuit with Javier Becerra, I think I'm saying his name right, or Xavier or something like that. Uh, you know, I'm not sure what his name is, but it's spelled X-A-V-I-E-R. Maybe it's Javier or Z- Xavier, I think, something like that. Um, he filed a lawsuit, and the website is lens-law.com. That's L-E-N-Z-law.com. And I recommend people download that lawsuit because that lawsuit is alleging that 45,000 people have had uh, significant, I mean, 45 people, 45,000 people have died. So I'm just saying, go check it out for yourself. Now, I am not an anti-vax person. I've had so many shots in the military. I, my shot record probably has 20 entries over a 12-year period because I was going from like going to different countries. So I'm not an anti-vaxxer. But I said to myself, based on how this whole thing started and based on Bill Gates, he's always been talking about the world has too many people in it. He's been talking about that since the early 2000s. So all I'm doing is connecting the dots. And as Dr. Huber said, when a person gets sick, you're sick. There is no asymptomatic uh, definition of a person getting sick and passing a virus to people. Now, that is in the lawsuit. So look it up for yourself. Don't, don't believe what I'm telling you. Look it up. And this is not the attorneys saying it. These are medical professionals giving their, their 20 and 30 year medical opinion on the subject of asymptomatic transmission. They said that is so rare that it's not even, it it can't even make the claim that if you don't wear a mask, you're going to transmit the disease. If you're not, if you're standing closer than six feet from another person, you're going to transmit the disease. You know what? Just in my opinion, I mean, I'm older than 50 years old. I've had the flu probably five, six times in my life. Uh, I know when I'm going to get it. And here's the deal. Every time that I know that I'm going to get it, my muscles ache. That's the sign that I know. So when I feel my muscles begin to ache, I mean, I'm not coughing. I'm not sneezing. I'm not running the temperature. I feel my muscles begin to ache. And that's when I say, oh, here it comes. So I chill and, uh, and, and not do some of the things you know, I would have done. And I got to be honest, when I worked in corporate America, some days I went to work with the flu because I had one of those jobs where I just had to get it done. I've been on flights with the flu. 
I've eaten with family members and I've said, hey, you know, sister-in-law, brother-in-law, you know, wife, I'm coming down with the flu, I think. Oh, okay, well, sit with us and have a meal and then get some soup in your belly and some juices, then go ahead and go to sleep. So I'm sitting and eating around people and they didn't give a damn. You know, I've been married and I went to sleep with the flu with my wife laying right, right next to me. And out of the five or six times that I've had the flu, she's never caught it. And if she did catch anything, she may have coughed for like a day or two or had a runny nose, but that's it. So I'm just saying folks, when they say trust the science, I'm saying, you know, trust the science, the psychence, P-S-Y-C-H hyphen E-N-C-E, or trust the science, my version of the science, P-S-I-E-N-C-E. That's the kind of science that we're getting. We're not, we're not getting the science. And the last thing I want to say is that now I don't even trust my doctor. I went to my doctor back in March and I said, Doc, you know I've had this sinus problem for 12 years. And putting on this mask actually makes me sweat because I have a, a low flow coming out of my, or reduced flow coming out of my nose because I got, I've had this, this sinus problem since 2009 when I eventually moved from the San Francisco Bay Area and moved to the valley with all this dust. And, and, and cows and, and, and hay and, and, and all these different things. So my doctor has prescribed me all these types of things. You know, it didn't work. I've had a CAT scan on my head to see if there's something causing me to have a sign with this, deal with this sinus problem. Sometimes I have pain for about two or three hours and I've had this long before COVID hit. You know, sometimes I have to lay down because my sinus pressure would get so um, uh, not not unbearable, but it's like, man, that hurts. Let me go lay down because it when it hurts, I can't really think. It's not as bad as a migraine. I never had a migraine, but what I heard about a migraine that it's it's pretty severe. So I'm not classifying my sinus pain as a migraine, but it's one of those kind of things where you just don't want to do anything. So I'll lay down for about two or three hours. And then it'll go away. So I said, Doc, you know, they want me to put this mask on. And, uh, you know, I've had this sinus problem. I'm telling you right now, Doc, when I put the mask on, you know, my airflow is like, like decreased by a few percentage points. And I start sweating. My doctor told me, he says, the CDC says that putting on a mask should not affect your breathing. And I'm like, liar. I just told you, man. That I'm start, I sweat when I put a mask on. So that's what I'm saying. The doctors, not all of them, but some of these doctors have been, uh, they're just drinking the Kool-Aid. So now I just don't trust my doctor like I used to. And I had a good relationship with my doctor. And before I had this doctor, I had a private practice doctor that had his own office. And of course, with healthcare, you know, changing, uh, he had to shut down his office. And uh, so I went to this, you know, one-stop, one-stop fits-all type uh, facility where, you know, I don't think my doctor has any independence to say what he should say. Now, to give you, just to give my doctor some credit, 
when he did not approve me medically to uh, not to have not to wear the mask, he did write an email that may have given me some wiggle room of not wearing the mask. So I do carry that around with me. And he basically says I've had this problem for 12 years before COVID started. So maybe he was giving me an olive branch and saying, hey, you know what, dude, I'm an employee doctor now. I'm not a private practice doctor like I want it to be. I'm just an employee doctor. But I'll write this email kind of like in a way where it's subject to interpretation. I will acknowledge that you had a problem, but man, I can't say that you don't have to wear a mask because I'm an employee doctor. So let's see where this thing goes now. Now we have we have employees being told they have to take the jab or lose their job. And again, like I mentioned, those PCR, those tests are not even it's 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 a it's a fake test it's an invalid test so hopefully some bright attorney and i think there are plenty of lawsuits uh going around now and they want to vaccinate the kids you know i'm just saying i don't trust any of this now if this thing would have happened naturally or, or organically but none of this happened by by chance this was all programmed this was all manufactured this was all pre-designed, and that's the reason why I call it the science or the science. My name is Rick, founder at Real People USA. Take care. Have a nice night. Enjoy your Sunday, the first day of August. Bye-bye.